0: hello and welcome to another episode of the self-initiative project podcast I'm your host Jim O'Brien hey hey and welcome back to another episode of the self-initiative project podcast today I have my special guest Wesley with the gray man brief Wesley how are you sir
1: good Jim how are you doing this uh, this morning
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, when I was doing a pre-record for this, I was reminded myself, this is the earliest I think I've ever recorded. Not that this time of day is super early, but usually I'm known for recording these things in the afternoons or evenings at the earliest. And so uh, you now have the record for the, my earliest recorded podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've still got my coffee in front of me too.
0: I, I do as well. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Wesley. I appreciate it, and and we're going to keep your last name out of the public. Uh, not that it's any great secret, but uh, all part of the gray man piece. I'm sure of it. Um, we're going to talk yeah. about we're going to talk about home security, vehicle security. But before we get into all of that. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit about, you know, as much as you're comfortable with, but I want our audience to understand who you are, where you're coming from, how you got this started, and what kind of what your purpose is with Gray Man Brief.
1: Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Um, so, um, obviously, I've, my business, uh, which is Super SE, um, started out kind of uh, from a hobby when I was deployed. I made paracord bracelets for some of my team members as kind of a mor- morale booster. And these bracelets had like, you know, survival kits, fishing gear, compasses and stuff built into them. Um, so when I got back stateside, I started sharing some pictures of one of the the bracelets I made myself. I shared it like on some Prepper Facebook group and people started asking me to make them, um, so I ended up making a lot and then doing a little Etsy website. And then finally it just kind of blew up. And so, like I say, it started from a hobby when I was deployed for my team. And then it turned into a survival gear company, which then shifted to um, me writing, you know, survival guides, prepping guides, um, talking about the news. And then that kind of shifted to the, the gray man briefing, where we uh, we now share intelligence and um, situational and awareness bulletins and things like that. So we're kind of a full-fledged from, from gear to intel. Um, got our got our hands on a lot of stuff right now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's great what you're doing, I think, because, uh, of course, the gear, I've been looking through your gear on, on your shop, and there's a lot of good stuff out there that uh, people could probably, uh, I'm sure, can take advantage of. But the, the part that I thought was interesting is how you collect up uh, news and data and information and disseminate that out to folks, um, because I think part of being prepared better prepared as uh having a a reliable source of information to base decisions off of right and anything that's you know uh, i'm not a big follower of the mainstream media so if there's a source of information that i can at least take into my consideration set that's i know is trustworthy that's that's a valuable asset to have too
1: yeah being in the know is you know that that foreknowledge of you know when do you need to actually take some action? When do you need to bug out, or when do you need to maybe go fill your tanks up or stock up on supplies? Um, and, and you should really never trust any source of information because uh, everyone, no matter what, is going to have some sort of bias to it. We at Gray Man Brief we try to separate that. We have a the briefing section where it's just the raw facts. We don't use adjectives. We don't say there was a large crowd. We say there was 200 to 250, you know. And then at the bottom of that briefing, we have what's called or a debrief section where we give you know our, our human analytical kind of opinionated uh kind of what if statement or or why it matters statement at the end so we do try to separate those two yeah. um but yeah i mean you gotta have multiple sources and, and try to stay keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening not only in the world but just in the city you live you know maybe there's a hurricane coming or some other issue, a water tower has had an issue, and now there's going to be a water shortage or whatever. Um, stay in the know.
0: Yep, staying in the know is half the battle, I would argue. Um, so we're going to talk about home security, what we can do. Um in and around our homes and our vehicles and of course I've talked on this both of these subjects in previous podcasts but I think it's always and they've been actually very popular podcasts too I might add but I think it's always good to uh, continue to have those conversations because I'm amazed at how many people still won't do simple things like locking their car doors or you know even locking their house doors when they go to bed at night I'm blown away when I learn about things like that so where do you want to start you want to start with vehicles or you want to start with the home
1: (laughs) well let's start with the home we're we all we're always home and then we leave the home and come back so let's let's start where everything comes from
0: yeah absolutely sounds good so you know when i talked about this before i i started out on the street right like doing things to help make it seem like someone's home, taking care of the place, uh, whether that's keeping your garbage can brought up off the street, keeping your lawn mowed, bringing the mail in. Uh, where do you start?
1: No, you're, you're right. That's kind of uh, That's kind of the territoriality, um, which kind of goes back to that broken windows theory. You want to make, make it look like, for the most part, you want to make it look like your house is occupied. It's visited recently, you know, frequently uh you don't want to give that uh appearance like who lives there doesn't really care about what happens there um keep the lock keep the the long mode keep the mail brought in like you said um it's just it's having that territoriality that the people if, if i go do something if i'm a bad guy and i go do something in this person's house they're going to realize it immediately. It's not like days or weeks are going to pass by before the police are even aware of what happened. So you're absolutely right. That's the first thing, first thing I've got on my target hardening guide. Um, we kind of look at it from a crime prevention through environmental design sure. um, aspect. But we, we put a lot of other uh, thought processes into it. But absolutely, that's the first one. Um, and then you kind of move into access control. This is kind of how you design where your driveway is, where, like, bushes are, where the sidewalk is. You, you want to make it um, obvious where your property begins and the public open area property ends, or however you want to look at it. Um, that way, if someone is starting to creep onto your property for with bad intentions, it's obvious they're on your property. It's not like if a neighbor sees someone walking along kind of a common area they're they're not going to report that but if they if a neighbor sees you know a suspicious person walking in the area that's obviously your property they're going to they're going to call you or they're going to call the police and say hey there's someone creeping around on my neighbor's property
0: yeah yeah and i imagine that's probably a little easier to do out in you know in the suburbs than in town right because so many things are blended in so well or even in uh, what i call postage stamp or townhome communities you know there's so much of the property that's could come off as just being public access or whatever like Specific to my property and my piece of land, if you will, um, you know, in situations like that, what can I do? I mean, you bring up a really good point, like in those areas where it can be more difficult to perceive where the line is, so to speak, between my property and the public's. What are some things that I can do in those communities to kind of offset or better make it clear where my stuff starts and the public area ends?
1: So if you're in houses, if you're in in places like houses, even if it is in an urban area, you always have somewhat of a capability to do the access control. But if if you're in a places like condos and apartments where there's a common area, there's a a public vehicular area where there's really no way to know who's allowed to be on that parking lot, um, you're still gonna boil down to other things, whether it be stoops, whether it be uh, breezeways, Um, interior common areas where you can get to know those immediate people that live around you Um, where you know this is an older couple that you know they don't have any family in the area or where this is a a younger couple that has a bunch of friends coming over all the time get to know what type of people and who's expected there you know that way if you see something that doesn't match it kind of gives you a little bit a little bit of rise for concern but in a lot of those places, like apartments, um, all you have is that is your doorway in front of you. You know, the, the parking lot shared. Um, so that's when you focus more, maybe less on access control and less on, uh, uh, like, things that are out of your control. Focus more on that interior security, whether it be, you know, that ring doorbell at the front door, or whether it be just, you know, making sure your, your doors and windows are secure, you have alarms, you... You uh have a light on or a TV running in the background when you're not home. Yeah. Um you just you just up your game in other areas.
0: Yeah, you know, when I asked that, I I you know, I didn't describe what I had in my head very well. You know, I had a buddy that was living in a town home of some sort for a while, and you know, so much of the front of the property and even the backspace is so generic it's hard to know you know, aside from being on their front door stoop, like you say, it's hard to know really where those lines are, but you're right. And you make a really great point is, When you're in a complete public area like an apartment or uh, condominiums that are built in old hotels or whatever, the notion of personal private space almost goes out the window when it comes to the main transition spaces because until you're at someone's door their front door, so to speak, their only door in a lot of cases, there's really no concept of personal. So to your point, that's the time where it really makes most sense to spend time getting to know your neighbors on your floor, certainly immediately on either side around you and paying attention to them and their habits. That way, it's easier for you to to pick up when something's out of place or more specifically when a person's out of, out of place, right. Or doesn't seem like they belong there. So that's a really great point. Uh, what else should we consider? And, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Even, even in those, uh, those, those areas like that, a lot of times you have assigned parking
0: and you, you can
1: learn which cars are typically in those assigned parking spots. So if you see a car out of, you know, that shouldn't be in that spot. There's another calls for alarm. A lot of them have balconies and patios. Um, you know, I guarantee if you put, you know, doorbells and things like that, even a camera on your balcony or your patio, if someone's coming to, to break into some apartments, they're going to bypass the ones that have cameras and stuff. Um, so it's almost, it sounds bad, but you're almost doing just enough extra work to be able to deter someone from your apartment to your neighbor's apartment. I mean, as bad as that sounds, you just you can't let it happen to you. And if everyone in your general area is doing that as well, everyone's going to skip that whole apartment complex, you know, yeah. which is what you want You want to deter this sort of activity away from your area. Um, but as we go through this, most of what I'm saying is more about those, those suburban or those rural areas houses um, just because there's, there's only – you're limited to so much, you know, in an apartment or very, very urban area.
0: No, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, in 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 transparent in the spirit of transparency, when I talked about home security before, I literally was going about it from the from the standpoint of an actual house on a yard off the street. Right. And so I had not spent a lot of time or given a lot of thought to apartment communities and condos and townhomes and those sorts of things, because that adds a whole new layer of challenges just because there isn't so much private space necessarily leading up to the structure itself. And to your point, it's that's where deterrence of different sorts, whether it's extra lighting on your balcony you know, uh, security stickers on the windows and doors. You know, whatever it looks like, that's when those things can really help from a deterrent standpoint. And and to your point, uh, sad but true, the bad guys are always going to pick the easier target, right? That's true of property or people. They always are looking for the easy, the easy win, right? And so, the place that looks like it's kept and look like and looks like it's secure. Um, is probably going to get passed over for the, for the property that is not uh, that way, or at least doesn't seem that way, right?
1: Yep, yep. And, and you know, in those areas, too, you, you have a lot of witnesses, you have a lot of neighbors. Um, if you set aside domestic-related B&Es and things like that, um, your B&Es to apartments and stuff like that is a whole different uh, type. You know, it's not something where this bad guy is like that person that lives in that apartment has a lot of money and a lot of electronics I want to steal. You know, they they typically focus on more more secluded areas or areas where there's not a lot of people that's going to hear them kicking a the door in, um, going to see them running where they, where they there may not be cameras. So you you pick random little houses that there's a less chance of having cameras. You know, apartment complex and stuff like that. They they have their own their own, you know, camera systems. Um, so you, you are looking at a different set of uh, a crime in apartments and a lot of that, you know, might just actually be in the parking lot when you're getting in and out of your car, which we'll focus on that when we get to cars. I guess we'll move on to uh permanent permanent barricades, if that's cool with you.
0: Yeah, and, and just a couple of points on that note, I, I you know, you're spot on. Uh, just for the audience, as edification, B&E is breaking and entering. And the other point to make out, too, and Wesley, keep me honest here, is, you know, when things like B&Es happen, it's not like a random act. I mean, not saying that they... Don't happen from time to time, but usually these things have been well planned out or at least partially planned out and they've observed you and or your place for some period of time before making the decision to hit it. And it's because they're looking for all the things to be ideal to their, you know, uh, to their advantage, right? And if they're not, they'll move on to the next one. But these things don't happen necessarily random. They're more planned out, more thought through. They're they're casing the place, as They say is that fair?
1: Well, maybe in some cases. Again, most most B and E's uh, are typically going to be you know domestic related. You know, the uh, ex or somebody breaking into a house. But if you set aside that whole fifty percent of B and E's, uh, yeah, you do have a portion that's going to case. But I think in most cases where someone's breaking into you know normal houses valued between you know one hundred to four hundred thousand dollars. The, usually, that's going to be on a, a spree of of D and E's, where they're going to break into two or three houses in a set period of time, and then be gone from from that area for for weeks or months. Um, so it, it's not always that they're sitting out casing your house. It, it's more like a, a moment of opportunity. They they someone drops them off in the area. They hit a couple of houses that look unoccupied, look dark. Um, look like they don't have a sign sitting out front that says alarm system. <laughs> right. um, they'll hit two or three houses in the dead of night, and then they'll get in their car that's parked around the corner and be gone. Um, but that's typically what I've seen, at least in my, my law enforcement. Um, of course, every city, every state may be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would say maybe 50% are domestic-related, and then maybe 30%, 40% of or, or crimes of opportunity where, well, maybe a little bit more than that, where it's not like they're just walking by and they see all oh, this go break into that house, but more like they get dropped off in an the area they intend to to break into some houses and then they hit a few. And then probably, like you say, 15, 20% might be ones where they've, they've seen something go on there. You know, they know this person, uh, you know, they follow this person home because they have a very expensive car, um, where they, drove by the neighborhood a couple of times and looking and seeing when people are home or when they're leaving sort of deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you bring up a good point sprees or another thing. I mean, you know, I can remember last summer, you know, I don't know how many, time something has to happen for it to be officially labeled as a spree but I'll say there was a spree of vehicle break-ins here in my neighborhood or you know just on the per- the perimeter of my neighborhood and surrounding uh, communities I guess too and I think it was a bunch of kids uh-huh. going through looking for unlocked vehicles which is usually the case when it comes to cars but anyway um, yeah the spree thing is definitely uh, something that happens as well so you wanted to move on to uh, hardening of the perimeter next
1: yeah so basically we're looking at things like fencing and, and bollards which are those like concrete poles um, and an actual natural perimeter um, barricades yeah. so if you're looking at fencing for one fencing is great it keeps people out you know it's obvious if someone sees this suspect inside your fence that's suspicious yeah. um, and so it sets up that for sure, this is my property. If you cross into it, you're going to look out a place. Because a lot of it, what what we want, we want to recognize them, but but we also want our neighbors to recognize something suspicious is going on because a lot of times they're the ones who call. They're the ones who either call us or the police to let us know there's someone snooping around in your, your back shed or something. Yeah. Um, so when you look at fencing, you know, Think about the idea. Yeah, a, a large privacy wooden fence will keep out a lot of people. But if someone wants something bad enough, once they get inside that fenced area, which, you know, anyone can pretty much jump about any fence, um, unless you're having some sort of like barbed wire on top, which is unrealistic. Right. Um, right. Once they get in that fenced area, they've got all that privacy themselves. So now neighbors can't really see them in, behind that privacy fence. So, think about that idea when you're choosing your fencing. Do you want chain link? Do you want want that wood stick built? Do you want wrought iron? Because they can all offer that line of, that perimeter defense, but some of them can conceal the bad guy, which we may not want. Um, just something to consider. Um, and then, like I said, trees, curbs, um, bollards, and things like that. Um, a lot of these play come into play if you're really talking about major you know, kind of end of the world, sort of security and defensive measures, where uh, you're afraid of marauders and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point out that the fencing concept of how you know it says that perimeter, but also can also offer concealment for the bad guy.
0: Yeah, you have to kind of take your take your picks, right? The pros and cons of types of fencing, and I think it's safe to say that there's a lot of privacy fencing uh, in in communities, right? Just not wanting prying eyes in your backyard and etc but if you do have that and someone happens to be inside your perimeter so to speak, the neighbors may not be able to pick up on that as quickly or easily with privacy fencing versus some other types. And when I think of, you know, I don't know that for residential spaces bollards or concrete, you know, pillars make a lot of sense, but You know, in addition to fencing types and being mindful of the type of fencing you put up and where you put it up on your property, you can also use uh, greenery, shrubs, bushes. And there are types of shrubs and bushes that uh, help thwart or discourage folks from hiding out behind them. Because to your point about fencing, you know, if a neighbor sees someone inside your cordoned off property, that's a pretty good sign that someone might be... Where they're not supposed to be By that same token, if you get Home or if your neighbors see Someone between your building And the shrubs on the front of your house That's probably a pretty good indicator That they're out of place as well But there are some shrubs and bush types Whatever you call them that Help discourage people From trying to hang out Behind them like hollies or Things with thorns, you know Those those types of plants And then as I've told folks over the Years is you want to make sure you keep those, uh, that shrubbery, those bushes trimmed up too, because A, it makes things look nice and it makes things look like they're kept in someone's home or at least around regularly. But the other thing that you're trying to do is keep those shrubs and bushes back up off the house by a foot or so, A, so things around your property can breathe better, maybe a little bit more light gets in behind there, but it's also makes it more difficult for people to hide out. You think, well, there's more space, so it's easier for, you know, for them to get in there. But really what you're trying to do is create an area that it's easier for you and others to see into. plus you're keeping all your growth off your house anyway, which is what you need to be doing. So plants. yeah man
1: you you you, you, you got it man you've you segue right into the other the setped the, the crime prevention through environmental design of yeah. where these trees are, how to cut them down. Um, another concept is how close those building those trees are to your your house. Your building trees, the actual tree itself should be ten feet from your your house. Overhanging limbs should be six feet from the buildings because you're also looking at climbing aids, anything <laughs> that can help people get to that second story. Yeah, um, for the ninjas out the, there, the trees, the the overhang. You want to have those trimmed upwards seven feet, so that way, you know, you don't have limbs hanging down that are offering concealment. Bushes, like you said, you want them trimmed down on average two feet, but at least six inches from the the bottom of the windowsill, yeah. Um, because that's what they do. They, they look for these bushes that you have lined around your house, and that offers them concealment, so they can get to a window, break into a window without anyone seeing them. So um, keep those those bushes trimmed down, and you had it on point too. Like holly, you know, look at look at a hostile plant. Look at things that have thorns. Um, that are going to keep them from wanting to get between that bush and your house um, Consider crush and run or gravel around your around your house because when people walk on those rocks you can hear them you, you know if, if you're in your bedroom laying down asleep and you start hearing footsteps on your crush and run gravel right outside your window that that raises your hey some someone's out there
0: yeah um, that's so, a yeah,
1: good I mean, point that's, that's it
0: Yeah I mean that's case and argument to consider things like gravel or you know ground up granite gravel whatever lava and uh, or slate (laughs) like like my parents have just recently replaced all of their uh, bark or whatever they had around the perimeter with uh, I forget what it's officially called but it basically looks up looks like crushed up slate but you're right you can't possibly get close to the house without making noise it's impossible so that's a really great point
1: i mean if we could have a moat with a river and alligators going around our house that's awesome but (laughs) these are other little steps we can do i guess right the second
0: best second best approach to building out your perimeter yeah it's good to know about the trees too uh keeping the trees trimmed back i know in the past i've had trees right up against my house and i've since removed them but yeah that's something that folks don't always consider i mean i know i haven't in the past necessarily uh what's next on the list
1: uh let's talk about signage um for one your 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 street numbers your street address if your house is one two three appleberry road you want to make sure one two three is very visible on your house um mainly because yeah you want to make sure you get your mail but if you have to call the police (laughs) or ambulance or fire you want them to be able to find your house so make sure you've got it Uh, You know, if you're on a corner corner lot, make sure both sides of your house have have your street address on them. Make sure your mailbox, both sides of your mailbox um, have the number on them. Um, As far as security and stuff goes, even if you don't have a security system, alarm system, put a sign out front that says you do. You know, if for some reason you can't afford one, um, you can buy signs online. That in itself is a good deterrent. Um, even signs, uh, signs like "Beware of Dog" or "No Trespassing." Something to show that the person who lives here they have things that that will keep me from getting in the house. They care about what's happening at their house. Um, I don't want to get bit by a dog. I don't want my face on camera. Things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Even
1: even signs that say you have cameras. Yes, yeah, it's better if you do have cameras, but just the fact you've got signs up that says you have cameras turns people away. And, and if you're if you're way out in a rural area where it's hard to cover all the entrances to your property, um, consider the purple paint law. I, I think it I think it's something in all fifty states. But if not, the majority of states have a purple paint law, which basically lets you put a strip of paint, a uh, purple paint, on trees, on posts. Um, it's usually you, uh, it's got to be like every hundred feet along your perimeter, but for one, it lets people know whether it be hunters or people trying to trespass for other reasons. It lets people know this is your property, you care about it you know if if they get caught out there they're going to be in additional trouble it It raises the criminal charge uh, the trespassing charge um to a higher level uh if someone crosses across that purple those purple paint painted trees and post um so yeah, just another thing to consider there.
0: I had never heard this, and so you put purple paint at a point that you consider like the absolute closest in anybody should be on the property. Is that the that is that the idea behind it?
1: It should be the perimeter, so it should be the very first point where it leaves the public property, or whether it be the road or someone else's property. Gotcha. And then it becomes yours, so it goes on the the outer perimeter. And it's a way to save people where, especially people who have a lot of acreage, it's kind of costly to put signs up every few feet,
0: you know? Right, right.
1: So it's a, a way the government, the state's made up where if you just put these purple stripes, we count that as you having a sign that says no trespassing. It, it's Basically, it's the same thing as a sign that says no trespassing. It raises the criminal charge to a higher degree, and it makes it cheaper for you to be able to put signage all around your property. Gotcha. Um, and it's it's usually about three to five feet up from the ground level it's got to be, and it's usually an eight-inch um, stripe. And, yeah. So it's like yeah, it's basically one paintbrush going down about eight, eight inches on a tree.
0: Yep. Yep. No, it makes sense. I, I had never heard of that, but that's interesting. It's, it's like you say, it's a inexpensive way of marking the bounds of your property. And it's the same thing as saying, Hey, this is private property, stay out. Uh, and it's essentially the equivalent yep. of a cheap way of saying no trespassing instead of uh, nailing signs into the trees. Uh, it's a cheap safer clear very clear cut way of saying this is private property stay out of here that's that's great probably not so practical for the for the neighborhoods but to your point on big pieces of land farmland or hunting property i could see it being very useful uh, Yep, makes a lot of sense yep absolutely
1: and and just
0: your know, your listeners type in purple pink wall and then the name of your
1: state like i say I'm, i think pretty much every state has this this in in effect. So um, just look it up. What it is in your state.
0: Well, yeah, that's really good to know about for sure.
1: Uh, um, well, let's let's shoot through a couple more of these. Um, so we're not because I know we wanted to talk a little bit about ve- uh, vehicles, correct? Yeah. Um, so just just real quick. Obviously, lighting is important. Whether whether it be motion lighting, things like that. Make sure you've got lighting around your property. Um, motion lighting's awesome. I, I think these days people realize. i think you know a couple decades ago motion lighting was way more effective because it was before it was such a common thing so when a bad guy is walking along your backyard and a light comes on they're like oh they're awake but i think now it's just kind of it's just kind of a thing where it's like it brings that extra awareness to the bad guy like uh he's got motion lights he's he's paying attention to what's happening here um doorbell cams camera detection like motion detection cameras put them around your property, your front door, your back door, your your driveway, so you can look if someone's breaking into your cars. Different types of early alert systems. Maybe you have a long driveway. Um, There's there's alarms you can put up, like maybe post them to your mailbox or something. So when someone crosses across the, the path of your driveway, you get an alert inside the house.
0: Yeah, those uh, pathway chimes, driveway chimes, they work really well. Um, my buddy lives out in a, a country area, let's say, and his driveway is actually... Uh, a a road (laughs) most people don't know it but it's on google maps as a road so he's had some traffic come through the the property thinking that they could get out the other side right because it shows up on gps when in fact it's just the his driveway that splits his oh wow really so he's kind of in a unique (laughs) situation but uh he did put up chimes, I know, because I helped him do it. He did put up chimes at the front of the driveway and then back on the other side so he could hear when something crosses that now the disadvantage of the chimes is if you're out in the country you know a deer or some other animal that yeah. could get in front of that could trip it but it really just depends on you know your situation where you live how long your driveway is as to whether or not those chimes make sense but they do work really well and you will hear them when something crosses that line for sure
1: they do and, and the battery systems on them are, are excellent they last for years you know before you have to replace them yeah um and i think they operate on mers radio frequencies um so the range is, is pretty good depending on you know trees and stuff you can get it well over a mile um just depending on the, the terrain yeah um, we've got them at our property as well but like you say we're, we're always getting false alarms so we're always adjusting them i think we've about got them adjusted now angled and enough off the ground where we're avoiding deers or deer i should say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are awesome.
0: Yeah, they are. They really are. Especially when you've got those larger pieces of property and or super long driveways, uh, it definitely gives you an early warning sign. And, and and the other nice thing about them is, too, is when you're expecting folks, you know when they show up, you know when, you know when they've gotten there. So that's the other kind of side benefit of having them as well. Absolutely.
1: You, you finish your bathroom trip because you heard the alarm go off. And, hey, hang on. They're here. They're pulling up. Yeah.
0: Right. Go right. to the
1: front door. <laughs> they are They are great.
0: Yeah. And the lighting is oh. great, too, and it's gotten so much better. Um, you know, everything's going the way of LED now, so they're brighter. They are they don't burn as hot as the old school incandescent uh, floodlights used to. You know, those 100-watt uh, floodlights burn super hot sometimes and the LED takes all that away. you know less energy consumption virtually n- no heat or very little heat and they're bright as all get out I just put a new one up uh, over the front of my garage recently brand new LED you can a- uh, you can aim and adjust the lights where you want them yeah. and I'm pretty sure if you're within 20 feet of those lights you're going to burn the back of your retinas out with them so uh, there's a lot of great <laughs> options on the market for sure and it's great to have that lighting up really and truly anywhere where there's an entrance exit to your prop to your house your home but anywhere that's that's dark that you think needs some light they're they're great to string up and and relatively inexpensive and not that hard to put up
1: yeah that's the one thing lighting is very inexpensive so there's not a lot of excuse not to get proper lighting around your around your house your curtilage
0: yeah and and if you know and it's easy enough to call an electrician to have some additional house wiring run if you happen not to have any but i find most houses seem to be pretty much wired up to at least have floodlights on the corners if nothing else and nothing says you can't go and get some solar powered spotlights to put around the property as well i don't find they work as great but something's better than nothing uh lighting can can mean uh, a lot of deterrent uh for the bad guys for sure
1: yeah we use um i think it's called mr beams they're just you know d battery operated uh, motion lights and you can screw them into a tree or the side of your house um and they, those things last for years on those two batteries as long as you're making sure there's no foliage in front of them that keeps triggering it or something right. as long as you're not getting false triggers um those are great ways to light your whole your whole perimeter so let's uh let's let's sum this up so basically, in addition to all that we said, keep your doors locked even during the day, keep your doors locked, <laughs> yeah. Um, Just your the obvious. windows locked.
0: Yeah.
1: Make it a practice where if you put your window up, when you put it back down, you're locking it every time. Don't do the sort of thing where, oh, it's cool. It's getting too cold in here. Let me put the window down. I'll lock it tonight. Don't do that either. Just if you, if you close your window, lock it immediately. Make sure all your windows stay locked, especially your first four windows. Um, have a couple of locks on your, your main entry doors, your point of entries. um, bolts that throw deep um, using strike plates with screws of at least three inches yep. or three inches kind of the ideal. Um, so it can go to that. Those, those, whether it's two by fours or a four by four for your frame, uh, make sure it's going all the way through that. Um, have a peephole or a window or something you can look out. It's just it, people go in through windows and doors, so make sure you've got some sort of security mindset you know where you're locking those and then let, let's talk real quickly about a home invasion is that cool with you
0: yeah yeah sure
1: have a plan have a plan right now you know if, if you have a gun in your house know where it is always try to keep it in the, in the same spot if you've got multiple weapons you know keep one on the first level one on the second level places where you can get to them quickly and a plan of action where you know if, if say you're you know it doesn't matter what gender but let's say you're the man of the house and your goal is wife when someone breaks in and i say i yell or whatever you and the two kids you go upstairs go to the master closet um lock the bedroom door wait in there for me um i'll tell you it's me coming in um and then you know the person of the house whoever it be they go retrieve that weapon they go up to the second story and they wait and secure the stairs until they can't secure them anymore you have that fall back to your closet um, or, or if you need to be, take action. If you, if your life's in danger, your family's life's in danger, take action and stop it. But have that plan of action so you're all not just running around in the living room. Get, get your family up to safety as far away as you can from the entry points um, and assign roles. Your job is to call 911. Your job is to go get the baby out of this room, yeah. And your job is just to get to the closet. Um, have pre-planned roles and run run drills. You know, same way with fire drills, um, we should be running. You know, fire safety drills. We should be running home invasion drills. Mm-hmm. Um, just just have that plan of action of who's doing what. So when it happens, even if it ended up being, you know, the mailman dropped the box and it broke the front storm door accident you know maybe it was a ups delivering something nine o'clock at night um still have that that plan of action um just in case the worst happens
0: yeah i couldn't agree more with home invasions you know the the chances of them happening are fairly rare and you know i say this all the time in the overall scheme of things we're fortunate in that most bad things rarely happen but Home invasions are particularly sticky because, um, they're usually, uh, planned out. They're usually driven by no, know- knowing that there's. Uh, drugs or cash in the house you know someone comes home late at night with the till from the restaurant or whatever it might be and the the stickiest part about home invasions is there's usually more than one individual involved and so they can become very dangerous very quick you know anyone that's brazen enough bold enough to break into a home when they know people are present that's a whole new level of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I don't think they're brave, but that's a whole new le- level of boldness, right? And so they're extremely dangerous. Absolutely. Um, very dangerous.
1: It, especially, especially if, like, like you say, they know their home. I'll say the most the ones I've seen, it's because, you know, the people were parked in the garage and there was no cars outside in the house. It looked you know, empty, but everyone was in one room watching TV sort of deal. Right. So a lot of times they, they don't know, like they don't want that extra. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You know, that, what what's the word? Uh, well, it's, you know what I'm saying? They don't want that yeah. extra, the extra threat of having people at home that they've got to deal with. They, they, they typically want an empty house. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like you say, if, if there's cars parked out front and they know they're breaking into a house at that point, like it's almost like we're probably going to die. Like There's it's one thing if they break in and then they didn't realize you were home. Then maybe you have a chance where you're they're not there to kill you. But I think it's a lot scarier where they break in knowing you're home.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely, and so you know, you bring up other good points too. You know, you running through that example of what the family's going to do, and that family members have a each have a role, and they know what their role is, and they execute that, and then running drills. And I've said this before, and we've even had a podcast on it. You know, the importance of thinking through scenarios. What if you need to be thinking about a home invasion? And again, they're rare and may never happen, right? But what if? What if? And think about what you would do. Where are your weapons staged? Are they on your person ideally? Uh, if not, where are they? You know, if you got kids home, they're probably locked up. Can you get to it? Do you know where it is? Do you have the concept of a safe room? Whatever it is. But the important pieces are is that you're thinking through these things ahead of time before they ever happen yeah. should they happen and then you know if you do have a family everybody in the family knows what their role is and where they should be going and what they should be doing uh so important and that's true not just in home invasions like you should be thinking through scenarios even out in public what happens at the gas station if you know what happens at the grocery store parking lot if scenarios are so important so home invasion is just one more that you need to be thinking through before it ever happens and then you need to have some sort sort of game plan in place and then make sure the family knows what that game plan is. So important.
1: I will make a couple of notes. I touched on one. um, Think about the idea of parking your cars in the garage, because if you're parking your cars in the garage, it's going to, you know, it's going to make it look like your house is unoccupied. Um, Yes, it increases your vehicle security or you're less likely to be a, a victim of someone breaking into your cars. But uh, it, it takes away that concept that there's people home, and that's what we want. Um, so, it, so my suggestion is maybe keep your cars parked outside the garage. Um, but in addition to that, that means you've got to consider the security of your car uh, as it's parked in your driveway or wherever it may be. Make sure you're locking your cars, locking throughout the night, throughout the day, before you go to bed, when you go down to lock your, your front door or whatever. Grab your key fob and lock your, your vehicles. Bring your key fob up to your, to your bedroom, wherever that may be. Keep it away from the, the exterior walls because now we're living in a time where they can, uh, two people can actually use a passive, if you have like a passive, uh, key entry system, which is when you basically you put your key fob in your pocket and as you walk up to your car, your car door unlocks. If you yeah. have one of those sort of key yeah. fobs, people can, can clone those and they can clone them from outside your house by walking near your bedroom wall outside and they can copy that code send it to the guy standing beside the car, allowing them to open it. So that's just another concept. But yeah, keep your key fob with you in your room. Just don't keep it along the exterior wall. And if it's in your room, A, you know, you, you've you got it there before you go to sleep and you're like, hey, did I lock my car door? Well, no big deal. Let me reach over here it's on the dresser and lock it. Also, it's another good concept. If someone's breaking into your house, something's happening. grab that key fob and hit the the alarm button. Set on your alarm key fob off, yeah. Because that's, that's going to set the alarm off. Neighbors are going to start looking. You know, if there's a bad guy there, he's going to run. Um, Also, your garage door opener, if you keep one of those in your car, um, hide it or put it in the the center console and lock the console up at night because that gives people, if they break the the window to your car, which is probably not going to have an alarm on it, then they have access to your garage and then get in your house um, without setting the alarm off and things like that. So just, just Think about how your vehicles come into play with home security as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I had said this recently in a podcast. I had done about 24 hours of ride-along with local law enforcement. And I think it's safe to say, I don't remember offhand, but I think every single call that we took where a vehicle was involved, it was unlocked Every single time. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, even this rash of vehicle, quote unquote, break-ins here really weren't break-ins. I think it was folks going around to see, you know, of the cars in driveways which ones are unlocked because that's easier quote unquote break in than having to break the glass and do it that way noise and potential getting cut you know whatever it's a lot easier to open yep. up the door of an unlocked car i mean to your point lock your car doors people even when you're home i can remember uh taking one call arriving on the scene and sure enough Every car in this individual's driveway was unlocked because they just didn't, you know, they're at home. They don't need to unlock it. It's inconvenient to have to get the keys and go unlock the car when you're home. So just leave it unlocked. Don't lock your cars. Lock your car doors as soon as you get out of them. Lock your car doors as soon as you get into them. Uh, Even even when you're inside the car, keeping car doors locked is so key to being safer for you. And especially if you've got kids in the backseat or wherever they are, you know, you want to lock your car doors pretty much anytime. (laughs) You're anywhere, whether it's home, the grocery store, parking lot, and even when you're driving. Um, I told the story recently, Years ago, years ago, my mom was driving downtown Atlanta and had a dude off the curb open up her passenger car door, get in, sit down in the front passenger seat and shut the door behind him, all because he thought that he was getting in his buddy's car. And luckily for my mom, he had no ill intent and was overly apologetic he just said look my buddy's picking me up has the exact same car i thought you were him i'm so sorry but what do you think my mom did from that point forward forever she locks the doors on oh, the cars yeah. right so uh talk about per, uh, uh, an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure right or however that is goes um Yeah, locking your vehicle doors will save you a lot of hassle. And just like the house doors, you should get in that habit. And it's not that inconvenient to have to unlock your doors. It's just not, especially if you're interested in keeping your family safe.
1: Dude, I feel like we should close with that because that is, I would say, the most important thing, what you've just said, keeping doors locked, especially your car doors. Like if you're at a gas pump filling up, lock your door when you're standing beside your car because someone could sneak in the other, the passenger side and be in the back, you know, they, they, there's just, there's so, it's so easy to lock your doors. Just people lock your doors, your cars, your houses, that's the number one way. Unless you're exiting <laughs> or entering, entering, yeah. just lock your doors. Yeah, and use the key fob too, because you don't want to lock yourself out of the car. If, if so you don't, don't be using the door buttons.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to bring in your mail, cut your grass, put up shrubs to to, to keep people away from your house. If you don't want to put up lighting, if you don't want to pay for security oh, wow. system, do nothing else but lock your doors on your cars and your house, and you'll be good. Yep, <laughs> that's the takeaway. Oh, well, Wesley, thanks. I appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Um, We've got a couple other podcasts we can refer people to, but I think this has been another good one just as a reminder. We've talked about some good points like living on large pieces of property and even apartment apartment complexes and similar. So uh, another good chat. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, How can people find you?
1: Um, So you can find us online at superessie.us. Super S.E. is S-U-P-E-R-E-S-S-E. It's like the word super and then E-S-S-E. Yep. And uh, look us up. You know, we're we're on Instagram. We're almost most everywhere. Uh, we've wrote a guide on target hardening. You can download it on our website. Sign up for the Gray Man Briefing if you want to stay in the know with us. Um, but if nothing else, lock your doors.
0: Yeah, right. Lock those doors. All right, Wesley, <laughs> thanks so much for listening.
1: Yep. Enjoy it. Take care.